Welcome to the Remaker Podcast, where we elevate marketing leaders inside and out. I'm your host, Veronica Romney, master marketer, executive leader, and mentor to ambitious marketing leaders wanting to advance their careers. Each episode is filled with genuine, unscripted conversations with some of the world's top marketing experts, accomplished leaders, and industry trailblazers representing brands, both large and small. Our goal with this podcast and everything we do is to help you master your role, nurture your team, prioritize your well-being, and evolve into an industry-leading rainmaker. This is the Rainmaker Podcast. In this episode, I'm actually really excited to bring to you somebody who has become an expert at literally bending time. She is a marketing trailblazer and author and co-owner of a company that has impacted over 50,000 professionals, including executives from major corporations like Facebook, Google, Uber, and PepsiCo. Meet Carrie Bentley, the best-selling author of Winning the Week, How to Plan a Successful Week Every Week. She has empowered so many individuals to prevent burnout, cultivate more freedom in their lives, generate millions in revenue, and reclaim thousands of hours. With notable features in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Bloomberg, Carrie and I delve into how we bend time, both as an owner, but also as an employee. She kind of gets into how she was able to kind of hack her way to some significant promotions because she was able to like cut her workload in half, in half the time. It was actually really, really, really exciting to hear what she, these kind of hacks and tricks that she shares so generously on the episode. Really excited for you to listen to it. Let's make it rain with Carrie Bentley. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Okay. So I... I could not have picked a better expert guest right now at this time because, oh man, the thing that I hear the most from prospective marketers seeking to become rainmakers is time. Always the lack of, lack of time, lack of capacity to fit in more things. Like they're just trying to keep up with what they have on their plate and what their boss has asked them to do. And it's just, there's just never enough time resource. And so like as much as they have aspirations to do their own thing one day or to, you know, up level in their career or maybe to like possibly diversify their revenue sources so they're not just making money at their nine to five, but what if they actually have like a side gig? Like in spite of how beautiful their dreams of more are, they have zero. It's not even like a zero. It's like more like a negative deficit in time. Of course. Now you and your husband have literally literally shown thousands of people how to win their weeks. And I don't know of a group that suffers more than my beautiful marketers when trying to like be the masters of their weeks and not being at the mercy of somebody else's directive. And I know this is near and dear to you because you too have a Rainmaker story. So can we start with your Rainmaker story? Yeah, definitely. Um, this describes me to a T. So I totally relate to marketers specifically, just feeling like they're always behind, like there's always a to-do list as long as they're arm. Because I started in CPG brand marketing. Yeah. So fresh out of college, I went straight and got a great opportunity. I had an opportunity at Kraft Foods. And this was my dream job. Mm -hmm. I was in love with marketing, especially the psychology of it. Mm -hmm. And this idea of how do you get someone to love a brand. It was just yeah. so fascinating to me. And so I threw myself into the opportunity. It was amazing. I got to work with a lot of really great, smart people. I ended up managing the $1 billion bologna brand that Oscar Mayer has. Oh. And then I even got the opportunity to develop ads for the whole Cold Cuts team with like a really talented group of marketers. All the while, 
working myself straight into the ground. Oh yeah. So never, I mean, I'm working weekends every single weekend. I remember just opening my laptop at cafes just because that was the only time in the week I felt like I could actually sit down and think and focus. And to be honest, I started to realize that my boss was facing the same pressures that I was facing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she didn't necessarily have the answers for me. Mm -hmm. She didn't know how to tell me how to work smarter. She was just as overworked as I was. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing that like I needed to actually fundamentally change how I worked if I was ever going to avoid burnout, actually start exceeding, you know? And it didn't help that I have a, a chronic illness too. And so I oh. feel like for me, I hit burnout a little bit faster than other people because my body sort of gives me that signal really early that enough is enough. I wonder, I mean, you brought up a really good point. I wonder if this is kind of like the root cause of like this kind of insidious problem, which is like time deficit people are managing time deficit people that are managing time deficit people. And so like, it's wildly unrealistic to think that an aspiring marketing manager who's in the forefront of their career or further down the totem pole or whatnot has even mindset to think that there could be even a different way to work because all that they've been shown and exemplified and modeled by their boss and their boss's boss and their boss's boss's boss is the same chronic issue where no one is master and commander of their time, which is arguably your number one and most important resource, both professionally and personally. So then, okay, so here you are killing it at the same time, killing yourself. So like, that's usually how this goes. I'm killing it my job. I don't, I don't like who I am. <laughs> like, I don't like what I see in the mirror. Very typical. I literally can't do it much longer. It's like, literally. I can't handle the stress. Yeah. So what happens? What, where do, do we just literally fall apart? Like where does the story change? Okay. So the story changed for me, luckily when I met my now husband. So Demir is my husband. And when you meet him, you realize that he's one of those guys that just thinks differently. He manages to very annoyingly fail up all the time. He's the kind of person that everybody loves. And meanwhile, I walk into a room and it's very difficult for me to make friends, for example. So I met him and he starts telling me about all these different things that I should do for my job because I'm I'm complaining. I got this, I got that. I'm opening my laptop at 6.30 in the morning when we're having breakfast together. And he's just like, what are you doing? Like, why are you working so much? I'm like, I have to, you see this thing? I have to do all this stuff. He's like, oh, he's looking at my list. Oh, you know, you could outsource that. You could do that differently. Oh, you could change the workflow for that. And I was like, no, I can't. You don't know my job. Yeah. They trust me to do this. I've been taught to do it this specific way. And you know what? It works. So why mess with it? Because I just want to make sure that I'm doing my job right. I don't need any other negative criticism from anybody else in the company. Like I just need to keep my head down and they'll recognize the results that I end up getting for the company. And He wore me down, (laughs) kept working this angle. By the way, he was not a productivity coach at this time. He was just, he's just naturally. Well, he's the guy you're dating, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You're just courting each other and he's like telling you what's up and he's not a marketer himself. Like, right. That wasn't his career. Right. He doesn't know my (laughs) job. He doesn't know the pressures I'm under, but I very smartly decided to take a couple of his suggestions. And some of them were a little bit crazy, something that I never in my logical brain thought would work, but they ended up helping me create better workflows, better systems. 
actually prioritizing work that was going to get me promoted and straight up not doing some of the work that wasn't ever going to get me promoted. And then with everything in the middle, trying to find a way to just optimize that, accelerate it, eliminate it altogether. I remember one example of elimination was my boss kept on just like getting after me to fix this one part of our marketing funnel for this digital marketing push that we were making. And she wasn't happy with it. I was trying to do it the way that she was suggesting. And then I realized neither of us know how to solve this problem. <laughs> I just need to think out of the box for it. So rather than just, again, doing exactly what she told me to do, why don't I approach this problem in a different way? Yeah. The next Monday, I brought her this whole you know flow diagram that I had made over the weekend. And I was like, here's how I see this problem. And here's how we can simplify this whole thing massively and save ourselves a whole lot of time. And she took it and she was like, oh, Carrie, this is what I've been looking for. And that's the moment where I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I can just suggest better ways to do things. And it's not going to be anybody else telling me how to do things better. It's going to be me figuring out systems that are going to work better for my role. And just, hey, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, somebody could just tell me not to do it anymore. But heads up, like they never did. That was literally never anything that I heard. Well, so that's interesting. She didn't task you with redoing a workflow, a system, a way of execution. She tasked you with something that needed to get done specifically. And then you were like, but the way that we've been doing it this whole time is ridiculous. And so you took it upon yourself and proactively brought it up. Now, it seems like she had a good response. That isn't always the case sometimes. Sometimes in coaching, you know, hundreds of rainmakers, it's like, you know, I tried that. I tried being the proactive one. I tried like bringing forth this new kind of revolutionary way. And it doesn't seem to be as well received. In addition to being more efficient and suggesting a more efficient way, did you guys also like talk about the positioning or like the strategic conversation around how to pitch it? Because like, that's the other thing that comes up a lot. I think with marketers, we are so good at marketing other people's stuff and horrific at marketing ourselves. Yeah. And so we can get a random stranger on the internet to buy our goods and services. But then when it comes to marketing our ideas to our direct leaders, we don't look at it the same way. How did you have the confidence and or the ability to do that? I'm just curious. I was always operating from a place of not being the big boss. Mm -hmm. So I always needed to sort of influence without authority as our company guidelines would put it. And I had to develop this skill of, yeah, how do I change my workflow either just under the table, which I did a lot. There's a lot of things I changed and just kept them for myself sure, because sure. they weren't well received. But there's no reason why you can't just do it for yourself. You don't need your whole team to be on board with every little idea in order for it to work really well for you. Very true. And there's some things that I just started doing and people's reaction was so positive that sort of organically, mm. they would ask me how I was doing it, how they could do it, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I never sought out to just change the entire culture of my building. That just seemed way too inachievable for me. Mm -hmm. But I realized doing things like sending screencasts, which is you know a video of your screen, explaining your feedback, say to your graphic designer, or your ad agency was much, much faster 
than trying to schedule a meeting with 10 different people. And it was much more effective than trying to send an email detailing out every single little bit of feedback. Mm -hmm. And the reaction I got was, oh my gosh, thanks so much for taking the time to record this great video. I completely understand your feedback. And so it just started accelerating little processes like that. And it made my life personally easier. Another really great thing to do is create templates. For example, I created a ton of templates because I was in charge of delivering all of our marketing, you know, sales decks and pitches to our sales team so that they could just use those decks to go and pitch stores and and clients. So I decided to templatize all of them. You know, I did analysis of like, what are our best sales decks looking like? What elements do they include? And how can I just templatize the design of each one so that I'm not trying to recreate it from scratch and tell a different story every single time? Like, let's just get to the essence of what's working about our best sales decks and just do it that way. And it's it's better. It's a win-win. Saves me a lot of time and it gives them a sales deck that actually works. Hey, Raymakers, it's Veronica, and we'll get back to today's episode. But before that, I have an exciting invitation for all of you aspiring, ambitious marketing leaders. If you are serious about advancing your career in marketing and you're looking for an expert to give you some personal insights, guidance, tips, then I'm going to invite you to schedule a free pathway to promotion call with me. This is a special one-on-one call with just you and me to discuss your current roadblocks in your career, your long-term aspirations and ambition, and the next best step for you and your your personal promotion. Head to pathwaycall.com or click the link in my show notes to schedule your free pathway to promotion call. Now back to today's episode. Okay. So this is what's so crazy. You guys, for those of you who are listening to her story, fast forward a couple years. Now you and your husband are full-time entrepreneurs teaching other people how to do this, which is wild to me. And you have a book winning the week. So like not that I want you to spill all of your secrets, but kind of like, what would you say are some of those core strategies that if I could get my rainmakers, my beautiful marketing leaders to just plant the seed, shift the paradigm that time management doesn't make you a villain and nor is it a villain in your story. Time management is something that you can yield like you know, Thor's hammer. Like I just, I want, I want them to feel empowered that time is not hurting them, but something that can be used for them. So you guys have some really amazing principles that you break down. What would you share with our marketers? Oh goodness. There's, there's so many. I think number one is just remembering, and I'm giving everybody permission right now is that on Friday you were going to end the week and not everything will have gotten done. Mm -hmm. And that is just how things are. For any of us, none of us are getting everything done. Not one single person in the world. I mean, and you don't want to get everything done because that would be kind of like a lame existence, right? I mean, I want to die with a lot of things on my to-do list because I'm an interesting, passionate person. You know, there's a lot of things I want to do. So your goal should never be, how do I get everything done? Yeah. Because also the answer is always like, you know, what's important? What should I be doing? Everything. Everything. Oh my gosh. Ah, Emails, you know. So that's not very clarifying and it's not helpful. So the biggest paradigm shift that I would say is to move from a paradigm of what's important that I get done to a paradigm of what is on my list that's actually leveraged. And hint, what's often leveraged is usually what nobody else is telling you to do. So this is not a command from your boss or one of your cross-functional team members. This is something that you have noticed about your role 
about your company, something that would create actual value, usually for the company, and ideally would help make your life easier moving forward. So it's not about how long the task takes. It doesn't have to be the longest task on your list. It doesn't have to be the most energy intensive task on your list. It has to be the most leveraged, meaning it's the thing that's going to make your life and the company itself better week after week after week. So for me, now that I lead my own company, my leveraged activity is usually something marketing related, even mm. though I do also manage our whole team member, staffs, yeah. all that kind of thing. But it's usually something marketing related. Why? Because if we can get better at marketing, then keeping the business alive becomes easier. Like if yeah. I can get an ad to perform much, much better, then yeah. everything else down the line is easier. Or yeah. if I can con convert people faster from a masterclass or a video, then all of those downstream actions become better. So writing the book too, that was leveraged for us for the year that we took to write it because it makes it easier for us to develop trust and credibility with our target audience, easier to convert them all the way down 100. the funnel. So that was yeah. the whole reason why we wrote the book. Um, so that's what I would encourage you to think about is less like, what do I have to do? How do I get it all done? And more, hey, what are like the one or two tasks that I have this week that are actually leveraged? Mm, okay. I love that actually. And I mean, you know this because I've spoken in your group before. I'm like very unapologetic about you know, the right KPIs lead to the right ROI and marketers have KPIs that are more important than others and same with visionary CEOs. And so protecting those at all costs leads you to having those promotions, those moments of success inside an organization, outside of an organization. All right. What else? What's another key golden nut? Because I mean, you're just dropping some mic drop moments right now. There's a couple other ones. I think for marketers in particular, some trend that I see frequently with my clients is they set goals that involve some kind of action that's not within their control. So I'm very into stoicism. It's a core mm. element of our whole philosophy of our brand. And it's all about recognizing what you can control and what you can't control. Mm -hmm. Well, as marketers, I mean, we're trying to get people to buy things, but at mm -hmm. the end of the day, we're not in charge of those people. Like we can't mm -hmm. control what they do. And so it's going to be very limiting in getting you motivated to take action if you set goals like sell X thousands of dollars or improve churn rate by 5% or blah, 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 right? So sometimes we set KPIs like that, but then we don't roll it back to like, what is the specific action mm -hmm. that we can control mm -hmm. that we think will lead to the desired outcome? So for churn rate, it's not, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, just wish that the churn rate was lower. It's like, no, okay, we got to improve the offer. We've got to um, revise the, when, you know, the new client onboarding sequence to try and see if that will improve churn. You know, we've got to test like this different element. So there's a bunch of different actions that will ladder up hopefully to the outcome that you want. And that's what you want to get yourself writing down in terms of your goal for the week. So I don't want you writing things down like, oh, hit my sales goal of $10,000 or whatever it may be, because that's not an action. You can reach out to a hundred warm contacts, right, right, right. something like that. So whatever you can do to convert your goals into actions. I think I, that makes complete sense to me. I want to take like a, a shift in this conversation because I'm personally curious when you were coming up and you were you landed the job of a lifetime, you know, and you're working for a big company and had some decent things you can put on a resume, 
did you always or ever have an aspiration to be an entrepreneur like you are today? And you're like, no, shaking head, no. No, I okay. did not. And honestly, I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur for a really long time. Interesting. And it was actually one of my mentors at Craft, an amazing director, amazing advertiser, um, Tom Bick, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He looked at me one day and he literally told me, he was like, Carrie, what are you doing here? Stop You it. need to be out there. You need to be in a startup. You need to be changing the world. And I was like, what? I mean, I didn't believe it when he said it. And for years afterwards, like I didn't believe it. But then when the opportunity came up to start this company with my husband, I was sort of like, oh, like I, you know, Tom saw this for me. And it really helped me take that, mm. that action on my behalf. You know, he saw that potential. And then I started falling in love with the idea of how do I really change people's lives? Not necessarily just make them fall in love with a brand, which I still love. I still love that idea. But then I was like, whoa, I could do something that actually changes people's lives. And that's what I started really getting excited about. Oh, my crap. Wow. Talk about like a phenomenal mentor. Like just the, the seeing best. something in you that you didn't even see in yourself and having the guts to say that in a corporate yeah. environment <laughs> yeah no right exactly right like that like the fact that you could like did hr a good thing hr didn't know about this conversation but i think what's and i know this was like pre-covid and it was pre all these things that you that this was the conversation in the time in which it was taken place i think these conversations are way more socially professionally acceptable now post the remote work revolution the gig economy you know the covid situation like people are home people are doing even at a minimum we're doing our household chores while we're also working and like like so the diversification of our work days has dramatically changed than it used to and so i hope that all marketers think of themselves as entrepreneurs, whether they choose to use the grit and the resourcefulness of an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur, where like they're working, they're pioneering and being a visionary leader within the walls of an organization. I'm not saying that that has to be only found outside of the walls of an organization, but just that entrepreneurial spirit is when bottled magic. And when you can adopt it, you not only increase your personal brand, but also your internal reputation. It, it serves you in right. both fronts, inside and out. And I don't I don't think enough of us realize that we don't have to compete with that version of ourselves. That version can find place in our circumstances regardless. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the best team members that we have on our team, yeah. I can tell that that's how they're thinking about it. Yes. They're making yeah. suggestions for improvement. They're taking extreme ownership over their job and their tasks. Like that's the kind of thing that as a manager now, oh, it's just a breath of fresh air Oh yeah, you love because it. that's the kind of person I want to keep in my organization. Mm-hmm. I want to keep them mm-hmm. growing. I want to give them raises because I can literally connect what they're doing to the company's growth. Yeah. And they're shouldering the weight and they're fighting the fires with you, not just necessarily cheering you on, but like literally with you, which makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. Okay. So something that we do on this podcast is we let our guest ask the final question because I none of this was scripted and it was always just so fun to see you and your generosity and helping our marketers be excellent. What would you like to ask? Mm, I would like to ask because <laughs> so I mean I you know I don't know you you know so 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 well, sure. but 
I want to know you better. Um, <laughs> I want to ask, okay, what are you the most afraid of? Professionally or personally? Personally. And I'm sure that you'll resonate with this because you're a mama of two little girls and I'm a mom of two man cubs. <laughs> I had a father, my dad, he's still living, not past tense, but I, my dad um, always said growing up that he's like, I don't want to die. I never want to die. I want to live forever. And I was like, but are you scared of dying? He's like, no, you know, but he kind of was. Um, and I always thought it was weird because we also have like a, we have a belief system that like, it's not the end. Like there's another plan after this. Yeah. But I now being a wife of 14 plus years and having two little boys, now I get it. Like I, I never want to die. I want to live forever and ever and ever. And so, yeah, one of, if I'm being radically honest, one of my fears is leaving this temporal experience before I want to and am ready to, and mostly leaving the people behind, like to not have me or me to have them. So that's been an interesting fear that a 20 something year old Veronica, I did not have. And so like in making choices of the car that I drive or the things that I do, or like the the risk that I'm willing to take, it's more on the forefront that I'm like, I'm well, not going to expire myself sooner than I have to. <laughs> yeah. I know that's a weird probably answer that you weren't expecting. It also I think goes to the fact that like the older that I get, both in my professional journey and my personal journey, and the more responsibilities I have, the more that my people responsibilities outweigh any other responsibility in my life. Mm. Like I too have a crap load of things to do as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a person running my own organization. I have things to do in almost every major category of my life, whether it's in my home and my church community. I mean, there's a list upon list upon list everywhere I go in just being. But of all of the responsibilities that I hold and that I carry, nothing comes close to people, people on my team, people in my home, people that I am supposed to help. The people responsibility is the thing that I never want to let people down. And that is a very heavy weight. And no one, I mean, not to say that people don't talk about it, but it, it is, it's a, it's a, a, a enormous mantle that I take very, very seriously when people work with me, they spend more time with me than their loved ones. Like I take it really serious. And so I think that's been something as I've gotten older and more wise and seasoned and beautiful <laughs> that I have taken more and more to heart as my people responsibility. Mm, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I was expecting you to say something like, I'm scared of spiders or something like this. So that was certainly a much more profound answer. But I am scared, deathly scared of of snakes. So don't don't come to me with a fake snake. I don't like it. I watched Indiana Jones way too young where he like drops down into like a whole like thing of snakes and I forever was scarred. I'm like, why do my parents let me watch this? So that's my that's my funny one. Carrie, I I really appreciate you coming on this podcast and sharing your wisdom. I'm really grateful. We will link to your book. We will link to your programs and memberships. Like you help any, whether personally or professionally, you and your husband literally help thousands of people take control of their lives. And your husband is also like a visionary genius. Like I, I totally. you know, you meet him and you're like, mm, you don't think like the rest of us. <laughs> so like, he, he's a smart man having married someone like you because no business Aww. would exist if you weren't running it. So also let's be very clear and we give credit where credit is due. But like, 
I am in awe of the two of you and the work that you do and not just squirreling it away for yourself, but helping other people also just take control of their lives. And it's been a joy to have you on this podcast. So thank you. Oh, thanks so much. I love any chance to connect with you. So thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for being on today's Rainmaker Podcast. Thank you for joining us on today's Rainmaker Podcast. Marketers help other marketers. So if there's a marketer in your life who could really use a new perspective in a way that helps them advance their career, please pass this episode forward, share, like, leave us a review. Everything helps as we embark on helping as many marketers elevate themselves inside and out. You can always visit veronicarami.com for today's show notes, additional links to some free resources and tools for you to help you advance your career. You can always connect with us on social media at veromni if you want more behind the scenes or a way for us to connect personally. Until next time, my friends, make it rain.